But welcome to church. Welcome to Undone. Um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name has just popped up. I'm Oliver Mensah. I'm the youth pastor here at Door of Hope. I also um, work with the Launceston Conference Center. Uh, tonight, I'm speaking on three youths of the Bible, three young people in the Bible. In fact, I'm speaking um, f- about four of them, but I'm going to um, pay attention to three of them. It's fitting, given that I'm the youth pastor here, that I speak about the youths of the Bible. Isn't that? That's, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to this tonight. For those of you who don't know my backstory, I'm going to give you a little bit of it. At the year 2000, or the start of the year 2000, my four brothers and sisters and I were taken from Sierra Leone um, to Ghana. The guy who took us from Sierra Leone to Ghana, we did not know him. Um, We've never met him before. But I think he was sent by the Ghanaian embassy to smuggle us out of the country into Ghana. Because my mom was a Sierra Leonean and my dad is a Ghanaian, so um, I do have a relationship with both those countries. But it was surreal for someone to just come out of nowhere and took us. The journey for us started about 8 o'clock in the morning, and nothing about this travel was um, normal. We started about 8 o'clock in the morning. Around this, we were around 12, 13 years of age. And from the time we left home till we landed in Ghana about 12.30 a.m. in the morning, or at night, p.m., not a.m., um, we were tired, we were disorientated, we didn't know what was happening. We were sleepy. Imagine a journey like that from 8 o'clock in the morning till 12.30 at night for young children. This will start a journey that will bring me here in Australia about 15 years later. Last week, we started a series called People of the Fine Print of the Bible. We're looking at um, people in the Bible who perhaps are not mentioned um, often. You think of like your Abraham or your Jacob um, and Moses, you know, the big heroes. But some of these people perhaps were mentioned once or twice. Pastor Steve kicked off off um, the series last week with Elijah. So if you haven't seen that, I would encourage you to go back and watch it because that was part one. He's going to bring us part two. Um, of that, so watch that. And then Winnie, Winnie um, preached last Sunday night on Mary Magdalene and this morning. Again, if you haven't seen those messages, I will encourage you to go back and watch them. They're incredible message. Tonight, I'm going to talk about three or four youths of the Bible, Hananiah, Hazariah, and Mishael, and Daniel. You might know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why did they have those names? We will go back, we will find out why they have those names. But before we get into it, let me pray. So if you want to bow, if you feel comfortable, bow on your head and close your eyes. Let's do that together. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have this opportunity to still have church in this season. Lord, I pray that I decrease tonight as you increase. Lord, I pray that the words that I'm speaking tonight, these are words that you've placed on my heart for a time as this. I pray that these words will bring about conviction, transformation, and restoration of everyone who listen here tonight. So Lord, I pray that you open hearts ready to receive your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's get into it. Who are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel? If we go back to the book of Daniel, chapter 1, we will pick up the story from there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel were Hebrew boys. They were in Israel. 
in Jerusalem. In the book of Daniel 1, it says that in the first, uh, in the first reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, he invaded Jerusalem. When he invaded Jerusalem, it says that the Lord handed um, the king of Jerusalem or the king of Israel to King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian. Why would God do such a thing? Why, why would such an account be in the Bible? That the, surely the people of Israel were devoted to him. They were his people. Why would God do such a thing? When they invaded um, Israel, the commander of the Babylonian king had a specific list. He had a, almost, you could say, a shopping list. Um, he was meant to bring back um, certain people to work in the king's court. There were all sorts that they required. But what did, these people did not know is something amazing was about to happen. Something tremendous. I've titled my sermon tonight, um, even though we're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I've, I've entitled it, The Move, The Defiance, The Fire, and The Transformation of a King, in case you're looking for, um, in case you're looking for a title tonight. Why these four? Some of the list they were looking for, they gave to the, to the king, um, the commander gave to his, uh, the king gave to his commander to look for where were some of the, these things. They were to bring back people without physical defect. They were meant to be handsome, learned quickly, so intelligent, well-informed, wise, and quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. I reckon I would have fit that bill. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm right up there, handsome, tick. Um, you know. <laughs> I'm sure many of you will fit that as well. But by the time they get to 12 and 13 years of age, they were meant to have known a lot of things to work. 12, 13 years of age. That was about, you know, that, I don't, that's so young. But back in the day, that's the age um, requirement to work in the king's court. But something bigger was at play. Something amazing was about to happen in Babylon that would not prepare the king and the people of Babylonia for what was about to happen. We sing a song here at Dorofope, and many of you will know called Waymaker. At the bridge of that song, it talks about even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Something is happening. And something was definitely happening here. So they move. They move from Jerusalem to um, Babylon. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Australia is my third country I've lived in. In every country, I've had some major culture shock. The first was when I arrived in Ghana, like I, I started before. The next morning, we were taken to someone's house we've never met before. I mean, this story just keeps getting weird, doesn't it? Someone we've never met before, they served us breakfast. We spent three months with this, with, in this person's house. At that particular time, my mom hadn't come and join us yet because she was still back in Sierra Leone trying to find her way out to come and join us. When my, our mom finally came, three months later, life started to get normal. We were enrolled in school. Now, that was a shock for me in school. Every morning, you think that school is hard in Australia. Every morning, when we would go to school, we were meant to have an assembly. 
We all, every, every grade, will stand in the courtyard of the school. And the head, the prefects, the, the student um, leaders, will lead um, devotion every morning. It doesn't matter whether you were a Christian or a Muslim or whatever. You all had a Christian devotion. And you, the Bible was read in the morning. It doesn't matter if it was a, a public school or, or, um, or a private school. This was the culture because Ghana is predominantly a Christian country. After the devotion, the leaders and some of the teachers will inspect us, all of us. Our uniforms were meant to be ironed, our shoes cleaned, socks cleaned. And if you were not um, to proper standard, you were sent home. Imagine that, being sent home in Australia because your uniform is not clean. <laughs> that, was, that was the first culture shock. The next culture shock for me was, if someone is above you in, in school, a grade above you, when they're walking towards you, you need to stand aside and make way for that great, that person who is the great above you to walk past, and you meant to greet them, good morning senior, or good morning um, uh, teacher by their names. So that was to someone who is just above a grade, a grade above you. Imagine that. And when they walk into your classroom, everyone is supposed to stand up and greet that, um, that grade, that person who has entered your class who is in a grade above you. That was a culture shock for me. That was Ghana, and then I moved to Australia. Now, there's another culture shock. I didn't want to come to Australia. My mom, when my mom said we were finally, we finally been granted asylum in Australia, I didn't want to come. I was like, life was certainly getting good here. I made friends, and I didn't want to come. And my mom said, okay, that's fine. You can stay, but just know that I'm not going to send you any money. I'm not going to look after you. And I go, okay, I'm going to come. <laughs> when I came to Australia... I was sick for the first week. It was right at the start of winter that we landed in Australia. Imagine coming from 30 to 40, 30 to 40 degree heat to minus something. What a shock that was. I was so sick for the first week. I, was, I didn't want to be here. And then we were enrolled in school. I went to Newstead College for year 11 and 12, where I met most of the people I've I have a relationship with now here at Dorofope. Most of um, the people, the youth year attended, um, attended uh, Newstead College. I was so shocked when I walked into school and kids were wearing not a uniform. They were just dressing however. I was like, what is this a school? What I've come from to what I was experiencing, what a shock. What a culture shock that was. And then the teacher will walk in the classroom, you know, a couple in the class will be making out, people will be playing, feet on the desk. I was just like, what is this? Is, is the teacher going to say anything? What a shock. So back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Imagine the shock they would have had when they moved from, when they were taken from, from Jerusalem to Babylon. Because Babylon wasn't a Christian nation. Back in the day, they had their false gods. And that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got their names from. They changed their name from Hananiah, Hazariah, and Mishael to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel also got his name changed to Belteshazzar. Why would they do such a thing? They wanted these guys to forget so much of their culture, so much of where they've been, so much of God, that they changed their names. But like I said, something was working in the background. The first test for these guys 
the first test was the food. When they landed in, when they came to um, Babylon, the king gave um, a portion of food that they, were meant to, that they were meant to have from the king's table. But Daniel and his friends didn't want to have this food because it was food that was classified as defiled. So it means that they would have, um, they would have sacrificed it to their gods and then bring it back and then they partake of it. Daniel and his friends didn't want to partake with it. At this point, you will read in the, the book of Daniel 2 that Daniel had found favor with the official that was in charge of them. So Daniel said, pleaded with the official, please let us not eat this. The official said to him, if you do not eat this food and the king find out that you're not looking healthy like the others, he will have my head. Daniel pleaded and the official finally agreed. He said, okay. Daniel said, give us 10 days, just 10 days. Just give us fruit and water. And after 10 days, come and inspect us. And if we are not healthy, then sure, we will eat this. After 10 days, he came and inspected them. And they were healthier, as you read in the book of Daniel 2. They were healthier than those who were eating all the, the yummier food, you will guess. They didn't do this on their own strength. They, do this, they, were, they were doing this with faith, standing on the word of God that they've known all their lives, even though their names were changed. What they believed in their heart did not change. Even though the culture they were in changed, what they believed in their heart and their faith did not change. That was their first test. We, move, we keep reading in Daniel 2, in the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar, he kept having all these dreams. He did not know what these dreams meant. He could not, he could not sleep. So he called everyone, all his astrologers, his magicians, his, his dream tellers, to come and interpret these dreams for him. They couldn't. Now, at this point, he didn't say that Daniel and his friends were part of this, um, part of this meeting. They could not tell him what this dream meant, and he caught on to it very quickly. So he, when he found out that they could not tell him this dream, he ordered them, he got angry, he said all of them should be put to death. They were taken out to be put to death. Daniel um, was part of that, and Daniel asked the commander, why did the king give such a harsh um, order? The commander explained to him. Daniel pleaded with the commander. He said, please, can you give us time? Can you give me time? I will explain the, the dream to the king. The commander agreed. He went back to the king, and the king said, fine. Daniel ran back home. When you keep reading in the book of Daniel 2, he ran back called his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego together. He said, guys, let us pray. Let's pray to God to have mercy, that he will show us the dream in a vision so that we can explain it to the king, so that ourselves and others will not be put to death. I love this part. Instead of them losing hope and saying, oh, well, that's it, he pleaded. And he, what did he do? They didn't argue about it. They said, let us pray. Their first point of, of contact was prayer. The first thing he did, they pulled themselves together. They pulled a body of believers together and they prayed to seek God's direction. Is that what you do when you're faced with challenges? Do you call people together and you pray and seek God's direction? Seek God's direction before you take the next step? Before you comment on that post, do you pray? for God to speak to you, for you to be a positive alternative to what is happening? 
This was so. This was their second test. They pulled together. They prayed. At every point, God was with these guys. So how does this relate to us? How does this story relate to us? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were never mentioned again in the, after the book of Daniel. However, after researching, after doing so much homework on these guys, the, the people of Israel were scattered. They were in exile. Through what these guys were doing, the Israelites pulled together again as a nation. They started believing who they were in God. They started responding again to God. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would have told that, that God doesn't exist in Babylon. The God of Israel did not exist. Because you've got to remember, back in those, they believed that the, 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 the covenant was in the, the temple that Solomon built back in Jerusalem. Imagine their surprise when they prayed the first time for God to, to, to intervene in the food. The second time when, God, when they prayed for God to in, intervene in the death. Imagine that. Imagine their surprise. There are six, about six or five, I'll get that, about five points that I got from reading this, uh, from studying this, which I want to share with you. I want to pick up this, uh, this, these points in Daniel 3, and this is where I'm going to read and focus the rest of my time on. It's called, I've entitled this one, The Final and Ultimate Test. In the book of Daniel 3, we will find where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego entered or were pushed into the, far, into the furnace. But what led to that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was, were becoming so popular to the king because when they were presented after their learning, the king found out that they were wise in everything he asked them. So imagine you who have been serving the king for all his life, all of a sudden you were being pushed in the corner for someone else. So the officials got together. They, they said, okay, what can we do to make these guys' lives miserable? They convinced the king to build himself a statue, a golden statue, massive one. And they said, invite everyone in the province to come. And when they come, we'll play some music, and when the music stops, everyone is supposed to bow down and worship this golden statue. So the king said, yes, they did that. Everyone came. The music stopped. They bowed down, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, now they're in hot water. The, the official goes, well, we've got these guys. They went to the king and told them them, and the king was so upset, so upset. You read that, he said his attitude towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego changed. I'm going to pick it up from uh, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, replied to the king after he was so upset, and he said, if you don't bow, bow to me, I'm going to throw you in the fire furnace. They replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, I want to stop there for a minute. I like the way that these guys still honor King Nebuchadnezzar. They still show him the respect to his office. They still show him the respect that he deserved as a king. Even though he was a wicked man, even though he was, he was not a good king, he wasn't godly. God didn't say we need to treat people just because they believe the same thing we believe. God didn't say we need to respect people when they decide to respect us. 
these guys could have easily disrespected King Nebuchadnezzar because you know, they still show him the respect. For me, that has been an anchor for me. I still show respect even when I do not agree with people. I hope that's the same for you. I'll continue with that way. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be turned, to be heated seven times harder than usual, and commanded some of his strongest men in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing, blazing furnace. I'll skip to verse 26 where it says, after they throw them in there, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace. He shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, servant of the Most High. Why did he shout? If we go back to verse 21, King Nebuchadnezzar saw when he threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there that three of them he threw in there, but he could see four. Hello, there's Jesus. He said, I see someone like the Son of God in there. There's a cross right there. There's Jesus right there. Jesus was in the Old Testament right there with him. Here's some of the points that I got from reading this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My first one, they were fully persuaded. When we read this story, one thing is apparent. They were fully persuaded. Nothing could... Nothing could make them bow to King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. No threats, no consequence, no punishment. They were fully persuaded of the promises of God that, and their obedience to him in Daniel 3, 16 to 17. Right now, what is it that is going on in your life that is causing you to lose faith in God? In what circumstance, in what person are you putting your faith? For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it wasn't what was in front of them. Even though they lived like slaves, even though they were slaves, they did not let the environment and the circumstances around them determine their trust and obedience and absolute belief in God. You see, we're in a point in time in the world where many put their trust in politicians, in government, in corporations, in money, in status, influence. When we read in the book of Daniel 2, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he had all these things. But yet, he was still unhappy. If life has pushed you too far, it is time for you to rise up with an attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where you are fully persuaded about God. Maybe you want to write these down tonight. God can rescue me from cancer, but even if he doesn't, I will not bow down. God can restore my marriage. Even if he doesn't, I will not bow down. God can help me. I'll let you feel like filling that blank. But even if he doesn't, I pray that you do not bow down. My second point is pressure. You might expect a fully persuaded attitude would cause breakthrough. Not necessarily. When King, King Nebuchadnezzar heard Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's words of defiance, he did not back down either. He turned up the pressure. 
things got even hotter in Daniel 3.19. I think it's hitting up for you in your life right now. Divorce, custody battle, sickness, mental illness. You took a stand for God, but things are getting worse. You found yourself stirring down a fire. When I speak about fire here, I'm talking about that trouble, whatever it is. A fire like none you've seen before. You thought God would save you from the fire. You prayed God would save you from the fire, but it remains. Don't despair. Because when the devil turns up the heat, God turns up. My fourth one, my third point is promise. God isn't necessarily going to save you from the fire. I look at this like a guide, like, like a, a tour guide. They already know the way ahead. That's why they're the guide. They already know what is ahead, the, the road, what that bends, the twists and turns of all of that. You trust them to lead you. I see God as the guide for my life. He, he's already walked the road. He already knows what is ahead. That means that he's not gonna, the guide is not going to take my feet and walk that journey for me. I've still got to walk it, but I've also got to trust that he knows what he's doing. It's the same thing here with God. God isn't necessarily going to always take us out of it, but he's going to be with us through it. He will bring us through it. When you walk through the uncertainty of life, he promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. You shall not be burned. That promise is found in Deuteronomy 3.16. King Nebuchadnezzar made the fire so hot, it killed some of his strongest soldiers in Daniel 3.22. Fire is deadly for some, but you will not truly be burned if you're fully persuaded of the promises of God. You will not be destroyed. The fire should have been the end. Fire is deadly. You, when you see pictures or, 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 or the movies or when there is a report, fire destroys everything. That should have been the end for them. It should have left a scar. That problem is expected to leave a scar. It's expected to leave a scar. That situation is expected to leave you miserable. But God turned up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And for me, I know that God will turn up. And I hope that you hope that God will turn up as well. You expected the miracle outside of the fire. You thought God would save you before things went that far. But for you, the miracle is in that fire, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The next point I got was protection. When Nebuchadnezzar threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, their chains broke. Why? Because Jesus turned up. Jesus turned up. Jesus walked with them, and they did not smell like smoke. In Daniel 3, 20, 24 to 27, when you walk through the fire, chains will break. Has Satan used your situation and keep you, living, keep you living a small contained life? Now is the time for you to rise up and say, no longer. Chains break in the fire. Jesus breaks chains. My final point, promotion. When I talk about promotion here, I'm not talking about in, in material stuff. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about um, you know, possessions. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego exited the fire, they received a promotion. King Nebuchadnezzar saw the goodness and favor of God in their lives and promoted them 
in his worldly kingdom, we find that in Daniel 3.30. God brings us through the fire for the glorification of himself and his kingdom. Your rescue story, or as we call it here at Door of Hope, your hope story is so that others, others can see God's transformation, his healing, and want to be part of that. But for many of you, maybe you're still in that. Maybe you're currently in that fire and you haven't come out yet. The fire might be so hot right now that you're not seeing God clearly. There is smoke. There is confusion. Just like me when I left Sierra Leone and landed in Ghana, I was tired. I was disorientated. I've had, en I've, I've had enough. Maybe you are in that right now. May I encourage you to hang on. He is there with you. You may not see it. The fire may have been the greatest steps, but on the other side, they saw God's increased blessing in every. They saw God's increased blessing. It wasn't just the promotion. They saw an entire nation came to God. King Nebuchadnezzar, when he saw what happened, commanded that everyone in Babylon was meant to worship God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. And if they did not, they were to cut into pieces. <laughs> That's extreme. We will not go that far. But here's the promotion. The promotion here was an entire nation came to know God because of the faithfulness and the steadfast faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I pray that because of your steadfast faith, because of your steadfast um, stand for God, that people will see that and your household will come to know God that an entire neighborhood will come to know God and eventually uh, an entire nation will come to know God. You will I pray that we will experience spiritual promotion for fire always re re refines. You may also encounter physical promotion. I know I'm a living testimony of this. Before I came here, started working at Door of Hope, there was so much of this stuff, so much of that was going on for me, but I saw God through all of it. If the fire of life are threatening, take heart. The miracle of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a miracle for you too. I pray that you'll be fully persuaded to believe, to be persuaded on the promises of God, the protection of God, and His ultimate promotion for His kingdom. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank You. Thank You that You're right there with us through it all, you're right there. You're always there. And for those who are not seeing it tonight, for those who are going through it, I pray that you reveal yourself so evidently to them, like you did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. In your name, amen.